This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Today, I'm delighted to have Cara Benden joining us on the podcast. Cara is a branding specialist with 13 years experience who's created over 60 brands for entrepreneurs and small businesses and has helped hundreds more via branding workshops. Cara's worked with both national brands and early stage startups, and she says she firmly believes every small business can use the same techniques as household names to establish themselves. So as you might have guessed, we're going to be talking branding and all things brand and everything that involves today. Um, it's such a fantastic episode. Um, hopefully, Cara and myself give you a lot of context about what your brand is and and isn't maybe um, where your brand is visible. There's certainly like lots of new information for me in there, so I hope there is for you too. And then we also talk through some really practical things you can do when it comes to establishing your brand or maybe thinking about your brand in more detail if you have one already. So I really hope this is going to be a really useful and practical episode and um, I'd love to introduce you to Cara. Hi Cara, thank you for being here. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Can you um, please start by giving an introduction to yourself, your business and what it is that you do please? Yes, so I'm a branding consultant and since 2013 I have been working with startups and entrepreneurs and small businesses to create brands that are effective for their businesses and um, yeah before that I worked in ad agencies um, and I was working on big brands like the Times, Super Nanny and luxury hotel brands but I felt that I was much more passionate about using what I'd learned there, the principles um, that are used for big brands for helping small businesses so that's what I turned my hand to and I've been doing that for over eight years now. Well thank you for that introduction and um I want to start right at the beginning, so this might be a really obvious question, Cara, but um, so what is branding and what does branding include? Because um, I mean, I'm thinking logos and colours, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. So can you talk us through that, please? Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. It's a good place to start. So I often use the analogy of an iceberg and branding are all of the aspects that you might see that are visible so it would be your logo the brand colors um, the fonts anything like any graphics or photography that's used to do with the business any social media templates or graphics that would all and packaging that would all fall under branding it's all of the visible stuff 
And then brand is what's beneath the surface. And the job of branding is to reflect that. So what's beneath the surface is your brand values, your tone of voice, your mission, um, you know, who you serve, your USP. So effective branding uses these visual things. So it might just seem like a bit of design, but actually if you do it well, you're using your branding to express all of these things about what your company's about. That makes sense. Cause I know that I've looked um, having like logos made before and I know I've been asked questions like, what personality does your brand have? And, and I guess, is that why somebody right. would be asking? Cause they're trying to get a sense of what That's you want it. to reflect. Exactly. So that could be really difficult to answer just off the bat if somebody asks you that when you're going to get a, a logo done. But really, it's because, um, you know, a, a, a logo is just sort of a drawing, but really for it to be useful for your business and to help attract the right customers, it should be able to, um, to, to really understand your business and help you stand out within your marketplace. So that's why it's really valuable actually to understand a lot of these things about your competitors and your ideal customer and where you might fall in in the midst of both of those things before you go and get any branding done because then you really understand where you're trying to sit and your graphic designer can translate that into the graphics that makes sense so I guess it's about knowing the thing knowing what your brand makeup is before working on the actual visual stuff have I got that right yeah, exactly. And I mean, that stuff can be tricky, but I think a lot of really good brand designers, they take you through that process. You know, if they're experienced in working with brands, then they will hold your hand through that so that it doesn't feel like you have to have written an essay before you even consider your branding. It's just that branding is quite subliminal and in terms of and that's why it can be so powerful in terms of the fact that it can just appeal certain brands can just appeal to us if they are designed to cater for our kind of target audience and obviously when you're setting up a business you want your customers to be attracted to your brand that makes sense thank you and so a brand designer would help you through that so if someone's listening now and they're thinking oh I need to think about my branding they don't necessarily have to have done all of this now um that's something that they will be able to get help with going forward is that right yeah definitely but I think you know I always try and share loads of tips on my social media as well especially on my Instagram and I have a lot of like uh, carousel posted more information or um, IGTVs like short videos that just ask some of the questions because sometimes it's just a matter of putting that question in your mind and letting it mull for a little while just so that you have given that some thought before you go ahead it can be really beneficial. Thank you and I'll make sure we link up to your Instagram in the show notes people can go over and take a look at that because yeah I know that you do some really helpful posts it's just good as you say to start thinking about some of these things. Exactly. Um, so before we go into a few more details about sort of the makeup of a brand um, it'll be good to just know why do you think you need a strong brand why is a strong brand important and where is your brand even visible to people? So it's because People buy, we buy from hundreds and thousands of different brands in the course of a month or a year, and we are constantly seeing different things. But we, you know, in amidst all the noise, it's those brands that we basically know, like, and trust that we will gravitate towards. And 
if you think about it, if you ever bought something from a company and they were quite good and you're trying to tell a friend, what you're hoping is you're trying to remember their name because you want to tell them, or you might remember something like, oh, they had yellow packaging or whatever it was, and that might help trigger you to remember what it was. So that's really what you're trying to do is create some kind of a latch for people to be able to remember you by because a lot of the time when you are a small business you don't have the kind of uh the toolkit and resources of these bigger brands that have been around for a long time but a lot of people do still want to support you and I think even you know if, if anybody's trying a brand that isn't one of the really really big famous brands that everyone uses day in day out then it's just trying to shortcut that process of remembering you so people can tell others and so that they can buy from you again if you just even think I've done it loads of times you start typing a url or a handle on instagram because there was something you liked that you saw and you just have that moment where you try to remember it and so branding can be really helpful because it uses things like color psychology um, and, and shape which in, in quite clever ways so sorry that sounded a bit overcomplicated but basically the human brain we read color and form much faster than we read any words so the thing like having a particular shape logo or a strong brand color that will help your brand be remembered especially if it is in contrast with your competitors in a particular marketplace so i think that's why it's important because it's all just about trying to you know people have if they if they bought from you and they like it it's just about trying to get it so that in, you're remembered in a part of their brain and so they can go back to you or they can tell others and that's basically what we're all trying to do and Makes sense. so it's about standing out and being memorable I guess absolutely yeah and I mean obviously it is about communicating some of those things that are unique about your brand but at a really basic level it's trying to remember it's it's like I remember um Selfridges did a campaign um some years ago where they sold products without the brand name on and so you'd have like um a you know a um a jar it was it was clearly a marmite jar you know the brown jar with the yellow lid and the red the red and yellow on its label um but without the brand name everyone knew what it was and that just means that it's because it's almost hardwired for us to see that and i think you know if you think about that when you're in the supermarket that's why a lot of supermarkets use their own brands they imitate very closely um the, the major brand and it's because and sometimes you can come home with the brand you didn't want because they basically played in on that subliminal color and form thing and you've picked up one and realized it wasn't the brand you wanted so so I think you know that just shows the power of using these kind of quite basic building blocks um to make you memorable and in terms of in terms of where it's seen it's it's basically any aspect of of your of your of your business so it could be you know if you are a product business and you're uh you're selling online then it would be what we would call in marketing touch points so that's just any point in which the consumer might come into contact with your brand so that could be a uh, it could be a social media ad 
it could be your Facebook or Instagram page. Um, it could be your Twitter if you have a customer service on there. It would be obviously your website or if you were selling through a third party, it would be any banners um, or graphics that you have on that site. Um, and then obviously it would be things like your packaging um, and you know any tissue paper or stickers. Uh, any emails with confirmation that you send through. So they're all just opportunities to continue like building up that brand presence. That makes sense. Thank you. And I guess it's, it can seem a little bit overwhelming, all the things you have to think about. But then I guess on the other side, if you've already made the decisions about I use these fonts and these colours and this style of graphics, it, I guess it probably makes it easier if you are looking to create a social media post or... Uh, anything or a, you know an inset for a product or anything like that if you already have made those decisions about actually this is what it looks like and this is Absolutely. the style um because yeah, it can seem I guess a bit much and before we move on actually um when you're talking about the supermarket I a story came to mind um it's a very old story that I had from a friend that used to work in a major supermarket years ago who told me that the own brand products in that supermarket they had two different sort of styles of packaging they had like one that was white with literally just black text pretty much saying what the product was and then they had another own brand's style of packaging which was sort of looked nicer and more like some of the big brands and they were priced differently but my friend assured me that the actual product was in the inside the tin for example was completely the same but they could charge more for the one that looked more premium isn't that interesting isn't that interesting yeah I had always thought that there were probably was a difference between the products when it's something like that but that just goes to show doesn't it I mean that I mean that I've I know similar as well that, um, you know, many moons ago, I actually worked in, in, in retail and I remember that there was one supplier that used to come and provide all of the accessories for all of the shops. So um, I think, yes, a lot, a lot is wrapped up in brands. It's why it's why I mean, this is an extreme example, but Tiffany's they sell what is basically it's a bookmark, but it's shaped like a paperclip and they sell it for I can't quite remember now, but it's well over 100 pounds. So they have one version that's silver and one version that's gold and the gold version is really expensive. And it's it's really done the rounds as a bit of a viral thing of, you know, if Tiffany's can sell a paperclip for three hundred dollars, then you're worth more type thing. But what's interesting is obviously they can first, obviously, it's, it's, it's a bookmark, not a paperclip it's a novelty item but it's totally true if a new business created a bookmark in silver that was that price point it's unlikely to be as financially successful and it's the same reason why you know uh gucci and other brands like that can sell basic plain white t-shirts that just got screen printed versions of their logos on they're not embroidered they're not using precious materials or anything like that and they have a price point that is you know 10 10 to 15 times higher than you would generally spend on an item of that description it's because you know brand really matters in you know in those instances maybe celebrities or or you know the brand history like for tiffany you know breakfast at tiffany's is obviously quite iconic and then 
uh, Tiffany's is linked with milestones. You might get a locket necklace or you might get, uh, you might buy a baby a silver rattle or you might get an engagement ring there. So because they're so connected with milestones, they're a very aspirational brand. And in the case of, you know, some of these designer labels, a lot of celebrities wear them, um, including rappers and things like that. So it's really kind of increased their street appeal. So it, it goes to show that your brands can really dictate these things and on a you know for a small business you're not going to be a Gucci or a Tiffany to begin with but it does I, you can be a premium small business as well and I think that's really important I actually was uh, was helping a jeweler recently um, and she was massively underpricing her items because she was a single person business and it was a confidence issue um, but what we had to look at was that basically while her items were good quality, the brand and the website were not at the right level for her to be able to charge those prices. So actually in taking that journey to level up her branding so that it looked uh, premium enough, she could create that impression that it was good quality pieces and step away from it seeming so amateur and therefore increase her prices to what they really ought to be. Yeah, that really makes sense. And I'm kind of hearing, and I don't know if this is, is entirely the case, that if you're looking to sell luxury or premium items, then you're, I mean, obviously brand is always important, but it's possibly even more important that your brand reflects the fact that it's, so your branding reflects the fact that your brand is premium and luxury. Absolutely. Um, and I do, I can see how small things can really make a difference with my, um, see, I wouldn't say that my own products were premium or luxury, but they are very good quality and therefore slightly higher price. Mm -hmm. And I remember going back years, I saw a difference when I um, improved the packaging for my, for my first products, when I first launched it, the packaging looked good, but the actual physical material that it was made of wasn't great. Mm -hmm. um, and for the second production run, I just changed the material from which the packaging was made of. And um, all of a sudden it looked like so much more, I wouldn't say more expensive, but it, it looked much, well, maybe it did actually look, it looked more like it was worth the price tag because the packaging suddenly like elevated it, if that makes any yeah. sense. And I really Absolutely. saw an increase in sales then, because I think before oh, possibly you? people Brilliant. maybe thought, well, that looks good, but I want to give it, it was like a gifting item. And I could see yeah. that people would think, well, if the packaging isn't great, maybe they don't, well, I mean, I've done that before. I bought something for someone online and looked at the packaging and then you're a bit like, oh, I almost don't want to give it as a gift because it doesn't look I good. think that's such an interesting and important insight. If you realise that your products are being bought by people for gifting, then that is a really big part of it. And it doesn't have to be your base cost. If you want to keep costs down, it can always be an add-on that you uh, you know that you have a gift packaging but people do want to be able especially the convenience of sometimes we want to be able to order direct from the website to the person I think that's really important and um I, yeah I think that's really interesting in terms of the point you said about whether it's more premium or luxury uh, businesses that need to concentrate more on their branding I think I think yes to some extent I would agree I mean there's just no way of getting around it if you have a luxury item with a high price point and you go for cheap branding it's going to look cheap you know the 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 phrase, you know, you get what you pay for is so true when it comes to this field of branding and design, because there's a lot of people who know how to use some basic 
uh, design tools, even just, you know, online ones or, or Creative Cloud Suite. But then there's a huge difference between people who can pull a few shapes and fonts together and somebody who has been on the journey with a few brands and understands the questions to ask and how to make you differentiated from your audience. So, um, but even with, so I, you know, some people ask me who doesn't need a brand. And I would say if you're competing at price always and you're always going to be the cheapest, then okay, your brand, you need some kind of brand so people can remember you. But yes, okay, then you don't need to spend so much. But I'd say that for any small business, it's not really a great aspiration to want to be at the bottom of the barrel. And so wherever you are, it doesn't, branding doesn't mean that you suddenly look expensive branding reflects exactly what your brand is and if your brand is really friendly warm and accessible it will reflect that but just like in your case nobody wants to take um, a risk on something that maybe doesn't look quite as good quality so it's actually you know your product is is you think that your product is enough to sell your business but actually people require the whole picture you know a strong brand and you know, as well as a good product. So, um, you know I, know, I know I've seen in reviews things like, oh, I was looking for some headphones. It was like, you know, these headphones seem pretty good. Uh, you know, the packaging didn't come with any instructions, uh, didn't come with a case or whatever. This audio is quite good. But so it, it creates this sense of doubt if there's a disconnect, you know, you want the whole thing to seem as professional and cohesive as possible. Yeah, thank you for that. And um, in, in a second, we'll move on sort of to some more specifics, giving people lots to think about. Um, but another example is that I've had the same thing with websites before, where I've, I've heard about a product or a company, or maybe I've seen it on Amazon, and I thought, oh, I'll just go and check out their website. Right. And the website, either you can tell it hasn't been updated since 2017, or it doesn't work particularly well for whatever reason. And it automatically gives you a much more negative view of the product and actually the product could be absolutely amazing but that's something that I am I'll be honest I am a bit put off by is if the website doesn't look great and I, I don't yeah. know why and I don't know if that's a bit judgy of me and I don't certainly don't mean to do well, that I but I, it is. Um, I think it's because we want to we all want to know that our that the the business is still active I think that there's a really simple kind of um you know questioning that goes through the, the mind when you're buying something and um you know maybe even especially in light of the pandemic that we've had we want to know that the businesses are still active and you know that it's not just that we're going to place an order on something like amazon and it's even maybe outdated or we're going to get old stock we uh, if, if what if you bought something and you need to treat customer service you know i think that all of these things we want to know that we're it's reliability basically Thank you. And I should point out that we have got a previous episodes all about websites as well. That I'm going to link to in the show notes. So hopefully we're not overwhelming everyone, Cara, because I think we've given people lots to oh, think I'm about. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> no, no. Lots to think about. There but is. But it, it is actually very simple principles when you understand it. You know, for me, I work in it, so I just geek out on the detail, you know. Um, but I, it, it, I do really think that some simple... Uh, things like laying foundation, understanding your audience, and then, um, you know, I, I think some of these things, they have a huge impact. And just like you said before, it might seem like a lot of decisions, but it's kind of like, 
buying or creating capsule wardrobe and then not really having to think about what you put on each day and knowing that it works because once you have made all of these decisions you know a lot of small businesses they do every single time they have to create a leaflet or a flyer or a social media post they're getting they're going to somewhere like Canva and that's like a huge huge library of temptation and new interesting things the animation and all these different effects and actually that's where you can spend waste time and also lose your brand by being inconsistent and actually just having all these rules in place does make life a lot easier. Yeah, I can de- even from my own point of view, I can definitely see that. And thank you. And I do think it's good actually to go into all of this detail because I just think it gets you sort of thinking, um, especially if you sort of come into this thinking about a logo being a brand and some colours, maybe. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, but let's talk through some, some more sort of practical things uh, now, yeah. if that's okay, Cara. Absolutely. And I will come back to Canva later as well, because I love Canva and I'm sure you can give us some good tips on that. Yeah, sure. So at what point, so let's say um, you're listening to this because you're thinking about creating a product, you're in the stages of creating a product, so you say very early on, at what point should you be thinking about your brand and your branding? That's yeah, that's a great question. So I think as early as possible, but only once you know your audience and sort of how your product fits within your competitors. I think that's a great place because if you start thinking about it early, it really is a um it's it's a process that can help you with that launch of that first product. And the moment that you're out there you know I guess if you're basically doing market research and you're still finding your audience then it's not as important at that point but at the moment that you want to sell it people will expect some kind of brand and it's better to be able to have allowed yourself a few weeks for the process rather than having to just quickly get something done on you know speedily online because then you're just going to have to redo it in a few months and so I think yeah Basically, I think when you know who your audience is going to be and you know at least what your first product is going to be and roughly what you want to price it at, then I think you're well informed to start thinking about your brand at least. Um, If you want, you know, I do think it's absolutely fine if you want to start trading, make a bit of money before you invest if, if it's a bigger cost, you know, but also I would I would caveat that by saying that I don't know that many businesses who've been able to be financially successful before they've had a good brand in place. That makes sense. Thank you. And I've actually got two follow-up questions. That yeah, I, mean, the, I guess the first thing is, I suppose, it makes sense, completely sense what you're saying, because I think that knowing um, who your audience is and knowing sort of who your product's for is kind of part of, I think, part of the product creation process as well. So hopefully yeah. something people do really early on. And then I think it also ties into things like your marketing. So if you know who you're aiming at and what, you know, is it an aspirational brand or is it like a everyday brand or whatever? I think yeah. knowing those things up front, everything, it all sort of ties together, doesn't it? So it completely makes sense to think it through at those early stages and then the question I have I guess is um does branding need to be expensive because I guess that is one reason people might not do it at the outset is they're a bit worried about sort of what the investment would be no it doesn't need to be expensive but what it is is I I definitely don't think that any of the logo creators online or any of the DIY tools are worthwhile for creating a logo unless 
unless you happen to basically be a graphic designer with a very strong and clear direction and even then there's problems with them and so the reason that you're spending is just because you're spending on somebody skilled and their time but no I mean it's a vast range of different costs out there depending on the designer but I do think it is something that is worth investing in and this isn't with any kind of ulterior motive at all it's purely it's actually you know the business model that I work in is actually not really that profitable because we do something once for a business and then they use it for years and years and years some of the businesses I've done branding for have been using it eight years, nine years later, I've only been doing this nine years, so I've yet to see one go over a decade. But when, for example, when we create branding, we're always thinking five years. So it, it's it's something you're investing in for the long term. If, if, however, and I do completely appreciate, you know, when you're a startup, sometimes it's not always possible to, you know, put more money in, then the, the likelihood then, though, is if you do something with the budget you have on day one and with the intention of coming back to it after a year, which is really common. And a lot of my clients have been people I've rebranded because they didn't do it professionally to begin. Then that's absolutely fine. But I think that you have already spent that year building up that brand image and you spend you're spending all that time posting on social media or creating packaging. So it's the is there's some logistical costs, like how many times do you really want to get stickers and tissue and boxes printed? Um, you know, so so it it actually does work out as a saving if you are in a position that you can but you know I think the best thing as well is to be really upfront with a designer if you find a graphic designer or somebody that could you know a, a, a brand designer um, and you want to work with them find out their prices and if that takes you a few months to to save up to then that's absolutely fine but then when you do go to somebody be transparent about your price rather than trying to haggle because you're going to get the best work from that person and I know this just I've worked for so many years with graphic designers and I know that in general they are people that really really want to help small businesses and they love being brought in on a project as exciting as a new business early it's really really exciting creatively and so if you can give them if if you can be honest about what your budget is and if your budget isn't quite their normal rate if you could be really flexible about time and give them some creative rain they're likely to go above and beyond for you so actually there's sort of three variables rather than it just being money actually time's a really big one because the number of people who come and say oh well we've only got you know x amount of money and we need it in two weeks because we're doing this huge trade fair and it needs to be you know in vector format so we can print it xyz that really does put a gun against somebody's head because this process takes a bit longer if you can if your budget is a bit lower i definitely say approach someone earlier and be really flexible about time and then they can work it around their other projects and um yeah I, I i honestly i don't think i've met a single graphic designer who hasn't been willing to help a small business out that way well that's really reassuring tonight thank you i think that's hopefully that's really helpful for people yeah definitely and let's so let's say you are starting out and you have got a smaller budget what's yes. the bare minimum um you can do when it comes to your branding so what are the key decisions you have to make and the key things you have to have because i'm assuming um well i'm I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming, actually, I don't know this, Cara, but I'm thinking 
from the outset, um, there's probably things that you have to have and things that are more nice, nice to have, have and good yeah. to have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're going to need to have a logo. You know, branding isn't all about the logo, but logo is fairly central. So you are definitely going to need to have a logo and you may need to have two versions of that logo so that you have a version that fits in small spaces like social media um, and a version that works on your website. So frequently you might have a version on your website that is more horizontal because there's more space on the website for that. But then if you were to put that on social media, it might crop off at the sides or it would be too small to read on like a Facebook profile image that's cropped in a circle so you sometimes have a shorthand version of the logo or a version that works in a square slash circle space um, and I think you you also need to have some you need a color palette and actually this is this is my not so secret secret tip because I always tell everybody but I think if you if if you do one thing if you uh, you know it's yeah I think basically if you do one thing it's try and pick a color that will help you stand out so do look a bit at your at your competitors so I'm assuming if this is you doing it sort of on a shoestring doing it a bit yourself um then you'd be doing this process yourself if not then the 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 graphic designer would be doing this but look at your competitors and try and see if there are any patterns um, in terms of the colors and styles they use and deliberately go against the grain now obviously it still has to work for your audience so if your audience you know if, if everything's pastel because you're selling to mums um, baby wear then going against the grain might be black but not be suitable for them so it's obviously got to be within the context of knowing and understanding your audience and thinking of them foremost but if you can find a way to stand out in some way that's obviously going to be an advantage so um having a limited color palette could be helpful so you don't need to have you often like, you see things on pinterest and they have sort of five six seven different colors yes it's helpful to have some other you know more subdued colors for packaging and website backgrounds and things like that but those are really much more advanced considerations in in you know in in keeping it simple you basically just need one main color and maybe one accent to that color um if you think about well i mentioned selfridges before you know with their bright yellow if you think of harrods with their green and obviously then they have the gold for the lettering but you think of coca-cola and they're just red and white so the same with virgin media you think about these brands that we really know and some of the time they just lead use one main color as the lead and that actually helps us remember them so don't feel that you need to have a really complicated color palette um, and finally you probably need to decide on a font um, just so that you're fairly consistent and that's the main thing really so again it is great to work with a graphic designer because graphic designers are able to look at different fonts and say that looks premium that looks heritage that looks friendly and these are kind of you know to be able to look at different typefaces and to understand the personalities that those might create might not be a natural skill set for every entrepreneur um but it's basically at least making a decision on one um and and using that would be a bare minimum i would say 
Thank you for that. And I'm assuming that for anyone who's on a bit of a budget or even someone who wants to have more of an active role in this, looking at fonts and colours is something you can do yourself. Even if you plan to work with a graphic designer, you could go to them and say, I like this font, I like this colour or these colours to give them something to start with. Yeah, it's a really fun process. I mean, if you are a bit artsy or visual and you enjoy that, it can be really fun to be quite collaborative. But I would just always um, explain why you like things, because there's nothing worse than being told, oh, you know, we want it to be purple, we want a heart, and then sort of you question that because, the you know, at least my job is always to question in order to create the best possible outcome and so um you know I worked with several beauty salons before and they all told me purple purple and silver or purple and gold and um it was because that was it was almost just subliminally that's what they were drawn to or that's what they were personally drawn to um as individuals but if everyone goes for that then obviously it makes it incredibly difficult to differentiate um so if you say why you like things like i like this font maybe you can't even put your finger on it you say i like this font i'm not quite sure why but it seems simple and contemporary or i like it it doesn't seem pretentious or i like it because it looks quite fancy even if you don't have the full lexicon it's fine just that's really really helpful to a designer um and that's roughly what you're looking for if you are picking your own colors and your own fonts you so we've worked you've looked at your competitors and this might as you say have been part of your product um development journey not even your branding journey but you have thought about who your customer is you've looked at your competitors and you've worked out how you want your brand to kind of sit within that and you might say well I want our friend our brand to be really good quality items but really down to earth you know and uh, look at some other brands that inspire you might be like oh you know within so I'm just thinking of your business now you might be like oh you know I like innocent smoothies because they seem really down to earth but you know that they use good quality ingredients and they're eco so that might be like a reference for you so you can kind of think yeah I want us to be you know uh down to earth and friendly and that might affect the color choices so you might say okay i want the the the, the language to be really down to earth and i want the fonts to be kind of uh unpretentious but friendly so you might go for quite rounded forms you might go for quite bright uplifting colors so you could see how it all marries together yeah definitely thank you and um, actually something you said got me thinking then is is it I mean do people or can people fall into the trap of picking sort of colors that they like but actually they're not their target audience do you see that happening where people say oh I as a person like purple or I like yeah. yellow um is that so I can see that that could be quite an easy thing to do in fact I think I've probably done that before I see that all the time <laughs> all the time when you're a solo entrepreneur or, or part of a small team it's very easy because it's your baby so of course it's personal but I think you know what, what I say is I try to pretty much get every client to give me um license for a blank slate if it's at all possible because otherwise we you can often get hired and they say I want to invest in my branding for xyz and but then they kind of giving you direction that takes you back to exactly where they are because it's their comfort zone and sometimes it happens sometimes it's a very strange phenomenon but sometimes 
the branding looks too good and it creates a sense of insecurity that they're not at that level and they need to look more amateur. Um, and it's a very strange phenomenon. I know that sounds mad, but I've had that where people have thought, oh, it looks too slick and I'm only a one man band. And it's like, well, no, because we want your business to be successful. And we, you know, it doesn't, not everybody needs to know it was made at your kitchen table. Obviously it's not lying or anything. It's just making it look good. But in terms of the color I had, um, it's not always purple by the way, but there was a client that I worked with and we did a discovery and she was running. So it wasn't product business of service, but they were doing uh, data analysis and all of the audience was middle-aged corporate men in quite senior positions. That's mostly who she was dealing with. And because she was an all female team, she'd gone out with purple because it was her personal favorite color. And that absolutely made sense. But we we actually did two things we looked at the market and actually because purple's quite close to blue and blue is a color for tech there were some purpley blue gradients and lots of blue in the marketplace and all of her audience was male and it was actually holding them back a bit and making them look not quite as professional and so and there's you know nothing to do with it being a feminine color it was because it wasn't standing out enough or attracting the audience so what you what I usually do is say you have to think most about your audience and your marketplace but then I'm happy to concede to choose a color that is one that you don't hate <laughs> so obviously yeah. it's your business so you don't want to see something you hate every single day you know um that particular client she didn't really like yellow that was the color I pitched as being the best standout opportunity for her so we went for more of an orange and that's fine because she has to see it every day and if she prefers orange to yellow then that's great that's fine but it is important in the journey that you're slightly detaching your own personal taste and thinking about your business and what's going to help it the most that's really helpful thank you because I can see that can be really hard and I think I know this podcast is obviously about products but I think particularly if you're selling sort of maybe handmade products so they're very mm. personal to you or even if you're selling services um then in your businesses you are your business I guess it can be really tempting to just put your personality all over everything and I suppose there needs to be some element of that but also yeah. keeping in mind that it has to appeal to whoever you're trying to appeal to. So yeah, exactly. I think one of the things that's nice about brand as well is it can actually provide a quite helpful boundary because when you are your business, it can feel really overwhelming and you can actually feel like you lost your identity a bit to being this business that has to always be visible on social media and things like that. And actually having a brand, it it creates a bit of a framework you can say no that's the business and this is me and they're different but there's crossover I personally found that very helpful when I set up my business anyway that's really nice way to think of it thank you and I think that leads on really nicely to my next question which is what's the difference between branding products to branding services or is there a difference between branding products and services and is there anything specifically we need to think about when we're thinking about a products brand so there are lots of similarities and my process anyway is pretty much exactly the same to begin with but I think when it comes to naming that's a really big consideration so um, I think when you're naming a product business you should try to brainstorm what your niche is um, and 
rather than what your product is because if you name something like for example if you make candles and you put candles in the business name it obviously massively limits what you can produce so I'd say your products are your products but your brand is bigger so if you are so basically that's just one of my number one rules is trying not to put the product name into the business name unless they are 100% totally committed and never want to grow bigger than that type of product but if you create a brand name that doesn't have the product name in it allows you all those freedoms so um you know you could create something that was more like homeware or fragrance rather than just candles and then if you want to create diffusers or whatever it might be then you know trinket pots or whatever that all relate to this then you've got a brand that enables that and you're not going to have to change your url or your social media handles your you know your logo or anything like that um so yeah i think and, and, and I mean, that's what you did. You didn't name your business after the product. You named it something and made the visual clear that it sits within that children's and baby uh, product category, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. And although um, so we haven't actually talked about name, and I guess that is a good part of your brand. I mean, because my, my, my brand's called Tiny Chipmunk, which people, I guess people might make the leap to thinking it's children's products or they might not. Um, but is there anything in particular we need to think about when naming a product business, other than what you've mentioned before, sort of not putting the product in the title, which I think is a really yeah. good idea and one I hadn't actually thought about because like you say, lots of businesses do expand their niche yeah, exactly. slightly. Is there so, anything else to think about? Um, Oh, so much. <laughs> Let me think. No, naming. I have a guide on my website actually about naming. But I think the thing with naming is um, it you can you don't have to describe exactly what you do. I'd say that's pretty um, pretty important. And there are things that you can have a statement underneath. You know, it, it could be a tagline, or it could just be something you put on your packaging, or that you have at the bottom of your emails. It doesn't have to always sit beneath the logo, but you can have something that is makes clearer what it is if your brand name's more abstract. So I think, and I think that's really useful because people do need to know what it is. So you know, with something like Tiny Chipmunk, you have to make very clear. So I'm sure you say something like, you know bamboo quality or you know um sustainable babies bowls or children's wear or whatever it might be because I think then having a phrase like that is helpful because it helps people understand what it is but not having that in your brand name really does free you up um, I'm trying to think of any other really quick one tip but I mean basically um I, there's a website that's really handy that I use a lot called namevine.com so I would say when you are naming have a look on there to see whether your name is available as a domain and social media handles because it's as ideal I know it's difficult in this day and age to get exactly the social media handle but if at all possible then try and avoid things like underscores and adding numbers to it I'd have a preference for adding a word like official or we are to the front. So something like we are tiny chipmunk or tiny chipmunk official or tiny chipmunk baby or something like that would be better than adding underscores and ones or things like that. Um, because 
yeah, I think you want to make it look as professional as possible. And some of those things make quite clear that you were picked to the post on a particular name. So yeah, that would be my other tip. Thank you for that. And I think the URL thing is obviously really important. I actually, I think, I can't even remember what it was. I think it was going to be Little Chipmunk rather than Tiny Chipmunk. It, right. Tiny Chipmunk wasn't actually my first name, but the domain that I wanted was taken. Right. So I had to sort of rethink it a little bit. And that's yeah. a really good point. And I guess also looking that there's no one in your niche with a name that's really similar to yours. Yeah. Because I guess that could cause confusion, you know, if, if there was someone called Little Chipmunk and someone yeah. recommended them. Um, what I mean is you could easily get confused because you recommend Absolutely. the wrong product or I mean, you could it. possibly even get sort of sued, can't you, if your name is too close to someone else's? Yeah, I'd say the bigger consideration is what you said. If you see that some of the other domains aren't available, but they're just parked, there's no content on them, or they're very, very clearly instantly very different services or products, so that there's no chance of uh, confusion, then I'd say that's green light you can go. Because obviously in an ideal world, then nobody would have anything at all similar, but it's not realistic, uh, you know, for that to happen. Um, but yeah, do be careful if you have something and you even just searching it on Facebook and seeing all the other pages that come up. If there's if there are lots that come up and they're all within the same kind of um, niche or industry, then there's if you if you see lots of options, then your customers are going to. So it could be confusing. Thank you. Because I guess it all comes back to what you said right at the beginning about being memorable. And I suppose if there's someone yeah. who's got almost the identical name to you, then you're not memorable straight away. And you don't want to have to spend all of your time saying to people, oh, we're this one, not that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've spoken to people who've said things like that before. And yeah, yeah that must be, yeah. And I have it must thought, be such maybe a bug change your name. Exactly. Yeah. They must have to say that every time. And it must grate away at them every time. And that must be really hard. Um, so let's think where should we go to now? Oh, well, I'd say what we could talk about actually, Cara, is, um, well, as you know, I help lots of people get started on Amazon. That's the main thing I do now is help people launch and sell their products on Amazon. Um, Amazon is obviously slightly different when it comes to branding and your brand because the platform and the marketplace isn't yours. You're just putting your products on there. Yeah. Um, so are there any different branding decisions or different things to think about if you plan to sell your products on Amazon or perhaps any third party marketplace? Because you'll know as a customer that obviously you might, unless the brand is really visible, yeah. I can't tell you the name of every company I bought from in Amazon in the last month, no probably. Way. I, I can tell you either. some. But, yeah. but not all. So what do we have to do if we're selling on Amazon to make ourselves more visible? Yeah, I think honestly, it is a challenge. So I think that um, what you said earlier about having a presence outside of that, that website, that third party website, whether it's Amazon or Etsy or not on the high street, whatever it might be, is really important. So having your own website, having your own social media, so that somebody most of the time, especially on Amazon, people probably won't do that, take that step and go and look. But if they do, that everything looks really professional and consistent, it's a really good thing to do. And then the second thing I would say is just take every opportunity that is afforded to you within that platform to apply some visual branding. But don't just shove your logo everywhere, because when somebody's buying a product, it's very important that 
um, the listing is all about that product and its benefits, but that I often see um, product listings and rather than just having photographs of the product, some of them are more like graphical um, images. So they might have measurements or um, a badge saying 12 year guarantee or I don't know why I said 12, that's a very random number, but you know, <laughs> but right they guarantee. Might... <laughs> Anyway, but you sometimes see that if you're looking at something, they might show you the scale of something or the depth of something, or they might show you an image of somebody wearing or using that product. Um, those are all also kind of brand touch points, even if it's not just your logo, it's building up your brand. And there are opportunities as well for that to feature your logo in the corner or what well, sorry I'm not sure about Amazon but there there are you can have your fonts at least and your colors so it could be fairly consistent and then there are I'm not sure what scale you have to be to um, qualify but there are those you know the shop pages within Amazon there are some opportunities there for some branding aren't there um, there are so if so you I would have... say use those <laughs> If your brand is a registered trademark or word mark in the, right. in the UK or whatever marketplace you want to sell on, you can apply for something called Amazon Brand Registry. I recommend this to most of my clients because to apply for the brand registry part on Amazon is free. Mm -hmm. And to register your trademark or word mark, um, depending on what you have, isn't actually that expensive. Nice I did it years yeah. ago and I can't remember the exact cost, but it, it, let's say it's under £100. It's not a massive cost. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when you can have a store page and then you can have a bit more information about your brand there. And I guess um, my advice to clients is to try and make that replicate their website as much as possible. So if someone does go over to their website, it looks like the same thing and people go, oh, this must be right because the colours yeah. are the same or the fonts are the same. Exactly. That's what I think that's a great point. Yeah, definitely well worth taking that opportunity. And there are, you know, you don't, I mean, you can trademark on your own, but there are also some companies I know, um, I work with a couple of um, lawyers that help small businesses with trademarking. Um, so, but it is just something you can do yourself as well, um, as you said, but if that process is a bit complicated, there are also some people that can break that process for you. Oh, that's good to know. Thank you. And I guess, and I know I asked the question, so I probably shouldn't be giving an answer, but another bit of advice I'll give about Amazon, if that's okay, is that um, when I'm working with clients on their listings, I always try, if I'm writing their listing for them, I always try and add sort of some of their brand personality into that listing. Yeah. Um, so it reads like it's written, you know, so just to make it a bit more unique and not the same as everyone else out there. So if, if you were looking to do, do it yourself, I would say take the time to think about writing in a voice that feels authentic to you. While, of course, they're also following all the other requirements for Amazon listing, which I know is a bit of a minefield. But, you know, don't just copy what every other competitor. We never copy what anyone else is listing anyway, but yeah. don't feel that your listing has to be exactly the same as all of the other products in your niche. Um, just make yours stand out a little bit. I think brands can really come across in other ways as well that aren't as visual, just like you were saying with Amazon, because when um, a, a brand uh, takes the time to reply to any of the questions asked on the page, I always think that looks really good. Um, and But sometimes with the visuals, sometimes you see um, that they will make a, a, a brand promise. So I might not have heard of them, um, but um, if, you're, if you're looking for something like, I was looking for a 
backpack, right? And then um, I went to the page and it was a Swiss company, I think. And they, their promise was that they, you know, creating hard wearing, functional, sustainable luggage since whatever date it was. And then I was like, oh, right. These are basically like really serious luggage specialists. So I can trust that all of these are going to be really good quality. You know, it's not just knocked up in a factory in China. You know, it's like this is their brand promise. So this is their specialism. And so that actually engenders trust. Yeah, definitely. And I think this sounds really basic, but if you're looking to sell on Amazon or any other marketplace or even on your own website, I just think having really well-written text and nice photos goes a long way. Um, you know, if your product listings full of spelling mistakes and your photos look a bit amateur or like you, you know, I've seen a few examples where I'm pretty sure they're like stock photos, you know, like for oh, the manufacturer's yeah. catalogue or something. I yeah. just think that gives not the best impression it doesn't mean someone wouldn't it depends what you're buying I mean if it, depending on what you're looking to buy it doesn't necessarily mean you won't someone won't buy it if it's the right price particularly if it's your product and you know it's all about the, creating a great impression isn't it and I do think that people listening to this have got great products and so you yeah. want to put it in the best light possible so I think all of those really small things all add up yeah I think as well um yeah definitely all of those things are really helpful and there's nothing wrong with using stock imagery if you can't if you don't have the budget to go and do a photo shoot but just you know be mindful of not using what other people have used or just as you said don't use just what the manufacturer had provided because I think that comes across as just being an upload rather than a considered bit of information um so yeah I think photography is definitely I mean when we were talking about the iceberg that's one of the things if we're talking about everything that's visible about your branding then photography is definitely one of them as well so if you can get some good quality product photos that would be great and if you are able to do video if that's if that's relevant to your product giving a demonstration or doing a 360 of it I always find those incredibly useful just as a consumer when I'm looking to buy something yeah and that's also a really good point as well thank you that sometimes sort of thinking like a consumer can be really helpful as well because I think we all know what we like and don't like and trust and don't trust when we're shopping so I guess it's also sort of remembering that when you're the one with something to sell as well yeah, definitely. Always think like a consumer. And you, know, you can always just send it to a few people, but without prompting them whatsoever. You know, um, it's difficult, though, if they know you because they know you and love you and they're just going to say nice things. But, you know, you can if, if you don't prompt them too much, you could, you know, see their feedback or even just watch how somebody is on screen with your product listing or your website, you know, and then ask them some questions like, was it really clear what the product was? Was it clear what the benefits were? Was it clear what you'd be getting for the price? You know, um, just just to make sure that those basic things are addressed is, is very important. Yeah, thank you. And um, I've just got a few more questions for you finish up, if that's OK, Cara. Yeah, um, and the first one, and I'm sort of changing the subject slightly, um, is you mentioned Canva earlier as a tool. And I just thought I'd ask, is there anything that you can do yourself in Canva? Have you got any hints and tips of how people can use it? Um, I'm thinking possibly once you've got your branding in place rather than when you're looking to create your branding. But is yeah. there anything that once you've got your brand that you can do to make 
things a bit easier when it comes to creating posts or content or whatever you're doing? Oh, goodness. Yes, absolutely. So I would say the only time I would ever recommend you using Canva to create a logo would be if you are in the very, very, very early stages that you haven't started trading really yet and you're still testing the market, then fine, you can work up something. But otherwise, um, I would say it's not really the best platform for creating a logo for a number of reasons, um, not least the fact that you only end up with a 500 by 500 pixel um, flat image rather than something vectorized and something that you can have copyright ownership of. So from a copyright point of view, it's not as good to create on there. But I think, yeah, what you're saying um, is more about if you have got a logo created, then absolutely. I, I use Canva all the time and I use it for my clients too because it's super helpful. You know, often when we're creating a brand, we will create them a couple of social media templates too so that life is much easier for them. So one of my favorite things about Canva is if you have Canva Pro, if you have the free one, you can set up some limited colors as well. But if you have Canva Pro, you can basically upload all of your logo files, put in your brand fonts and your color palette, and it will bring that in as shortcuts on every single template. So if you then um, add text, it will add it in your brand font. So I think that's a really useful tool. But the second thing would just be, I would think about the kinds of posts you need to make on social media and basically go and create a little suite of those posts. So yes, okay, in the first instance, you might need things like Facebook cover images and things to present your, your business, your brand. It might need to have your URL, some images of your products or whatever it might be and your branding. So creating those that's helpful because then that's just something you can use, but creating something that you can continually use like a social media post template and creating maybe two or three of those saying, okay, I'm going to need one, which is FAQs about the product. I'm going to need one, which is customer reviews of the product. And I'm going to need one with, um, say, um, a discount or a sale or a special or an announcement and then between that I'm going to be using product photos or customer with product photos um, so these three templates will be enough or ID4 or whatever it might be going and, and thinking about those and creating them together is quite useful if you're able because then you know that they're going to look similar to each other and you know earlier you said it could be a bit overwhelming but actually I think a lot of branding is very simple and one of the simplest things is just be consistent so like you said that you would um, encourage your clients to create their Amazon listing as if it was a mini version of their website so that the two tally up that's exactly what the human brain wants we just want reassurance that something is what we expect it to be and consistency is one of the best ways to do that so I would say that, yeah, using it to create a few social media templates, it also then it makes life easier and makes you more consistent and try if possible. And I know it's difficult because Canva keep releasing new exciting goodies, but try if possible to not get too distracted by all of the new things and templates, the ready-made templates on there, because those by definition don't relate to your brand. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. I guess, could you, though, if you wanted to, <laughs> the playing devil's advocate here, use some of those templates, but sort of swap out your colours and your fonts and things? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, totally. It's just make sure that you almost have a bit of a checklist that if you use a, a template, you go, OK, I like this one, but I'm going to swap 
you know, the, the font for my fonts, the colors for my colors, the texture for my texture or my logo or whatever it might be. And I think just, um, yeah, I'd say fonts is the biggest one I see. People tend to be fairly consistent with color, um, but then they, they sort of play around with fonts because they haven't really settled on one. And every new template has, some of them have beautiful script handwriting style and they look more like, you know, a diary entry and more boho and then others are more bold. And um, I often see that people sort of switch between lots of them. Um, so try to limit how many you do um, would be the most important thing I'd say. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, so I know that I'm sort of keeping an eye on the time here, Cara. So I know we haven't got long left. Um, so I know, thank you so much, but I should say, first of all, for everything you shared with us today, because it's been just so, so helpful. Oh, and I know you. how passionate you are about mm -hmm. helping people in the like really early stages of their branding. And um, you mentioned earlier that you've created some tools to help people who are in these stages. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you've created and where people can find them? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. So I'm so pleased about this because it's been a long time coming in my business. I've been wanting to do something like this and I didn't quite know how or have the time to create them, but I've now created a website. So uh, a second brand, which is called brandingmadesimple.co.uk. And there I'm creating a suite of different templates and mini tutorials and workshops on specific parts of the branding journey. And it's specifically designed for people people who are in the early stage of their business and maybe doing this on a shoestring um, or a small budget or maybe even trying to DIY some elements of it. So I've tried to distill as much of our process that I would use with one-to-one -one clients into these templates and um, yeah, the first one that's launching is actually so important because I thought I should definitely start with audience. So the first one is the ideal audience kit. So it helps you define who your audience is and then to really get to know them. Um, and I because that's such a foundation for all of your marketing and your brands. So I'm really proud about that one. So, yeah, and I have created a discount actually for anybody who's listening to the podcast so you'll get a discount on any of the items on the shop if you use the code vicky20 oh thank you so much that's so kind of you and i will make sure that goes in the show notes as well so if anyone's sort of walking or exercising or something now they can go back to it. thank you so much it's really kind of you to do that oh, and um, i think you're right these tools will be really helpful for people as well um, and I guess it also means like you can help more people because I suppose there's only so much you can do one-to-one -one as well yeah that's it that's that's always the motivation that's sat behind my business for me is how I can help as many small businesses as possible with these tools and with these tricks because not everybody it's not as intuitive to everybody and everybody's got complementary skill sets so if you're creating a business that I really admire that and I'd love to be able to you know help you with my skill set but trying to make it as simple as possible thank you um I think that's brilliant thank you so much Carl I've just got really one more really, really yeah, quick question yeah. which is and I think this is going to be a hard one to answer oh, but on. if you had to pick one sort of key brand branding tip that you want people to go away with now because now we're at the end um one thing you want them to, to remember what would it be oh oh that's so interesting um I would say that 
think about your customers first and foremost and try to find ways to solve their problems and delight them because then your brand will definitely be a success within those groups so the thing about um, trying to answer their problems will help you with developing other products and that's why maybe having a name that's broader than just a specific product it is good because you may branch out to other things and I think in terms of delighting them that's something I always love so it's just about the little touches that show that you care all the way through the journey so it's little things like having a, um, a thank you note in packaging can be helpful and sometimes even people will handwrite that or sign it themselves and that's a really nice touch um, or if you give um, you know um, a discount to uh, loyal customers anything like that just basically championing your customer and trying to be there for them and delight them I think is really key to an effective brand. Thank you. I think that's great advice of running your business as well. So thank yeah. you for that. That's so helpful. And yeah, thank you again for everything that you shared. Thank you for the discount, which will be linked in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Hi, thank you so much for listening. As always, I would absolutely love to know what you thought of this episode. Please do remember to rate and view the show and also, most importantly, subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And as a reminder, I release a new episode every single Friday. So take care and look forward to speaking to you again then. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.